Ghosts of Christmas Presents, a seasonal story, written by Tobias Sturt and read by John Millington. Chapter 7 It is Christmas Eve, and the sun is setting on the mundane year. The dark is drawing in, the streets hiss with rain, and the rain shines with reflected coloured lights, and the night is full of Christmas. But in the small apartment of Mr. Benedict Nail, there are no twinkling illuminations. There is no Christmas. The hallway is dark, and in the unlit kitchen, the cat sits stoically by an unfilled bowl. In the living room, the curtains have not been drawn, and the only light comes orange and fitful, the street lights through the rain and trees outside the window. And in that doubtful light lies a body, the body of Mr. Benedict Nail, sprawled across his rug, head just under the valance of his armchair, which drapes over his baldness like a chintz wig. A body lying silent and unmoving in the dark. But wait, not quite all unlit. Up on the mantelpiece, at the far end from the window, something glows. The windows of a little china house, all ruddy with cheerful firelight. It is only an ornament, just a small model of a house, but inside there is quite the domestic scene. In the grate a fire burns merrily, lighting the shining porcelain walls with a dancing light. And up against the fire are a couple in Victorian dress, a man in a whisket, leaning on a chair, and below him a woman in voluminous skirts and bonnet, sitting in the chair. Both have their heads turned towards the third person in the room. And there he is again, Mr. Benedict Nail, only this time lit, upright, and growing increasingly angry. Wait, he says, holding up a hand. Wait, what is going on? What is going on? says the woman, shifting forward eagerly in her seat. This is some kind of nightmare, isn't it? One of those dreams that you know is a dream, says Benedict, staring at the back of the hand that he's holding out in front of him. I was being chased by things, objects from my mantelpiece, Keepsakes, all asking me questions. Absolute nonsense. I must be asleep. He said he fell over, says the woman. Didn't he, Bobs? He said he fell over. I think perhaps the fall and the fuss have upset him, says the man. Wait, says Benedict again. You're right. I fell over. I was down on the floor, but then I was up on the mantelpiece. This is ridiculous. I must have hit my head. It's like trying to catch a fly. You clap in the air, right where it was, but when you open your hands, they are empty. Every time Benedict Nail tries to slap things into order, there are gaps, an emptiness in his head. No, it, it must be a dream, he says. This is precisely the sort of thing that happens in a dream. Things happen that make no sense, and then you try and make sense of them. That is precisely the sort of thing that happens in life too says the man. Perhaps I did hit my head, says Benedict. Perhaps I have a concussion or something. The man crosses to him and lays a friendly hand on his shoulder. Why don't you sit down, poor fellow, he says, and we can all try and puzzle it out together. I'm sure if he tells us his story we can help understand it, says the woman. Benedict allows himself to be led back to the armchair. What is going on, he says half to himself. You were being chased, says the man, so you came to our house for help. He said it was his house, 
says the woman. It is my house, isn't it? says Benedict, looking up. I'm sure of it. This is the little china house on my mantelpiece, only somehow I'm inside it and new people live in it. But just at the moment, I, I can't quite remember why I have a china house on my mantelpiece. What is it doing there? What are you doing here? What am I doing here? You fell down, says the man, prompting him. What made him fall down, says the woman. What made me fall down, says Benedict. That's another thing I, I feel like I should know, but I don't. Uh, there was a, uh, a present. I remember that. Uh, a Christmas present. A Christmas present, says the woman excitedly. Yes, Benedict is spurred on by her enthusiasm. I remember it now. Uh, uh, a witch, carved out of wood. Ghastly little thing. I put it away, uh, and then I fell down, and I found myself up here on the mantelpiece. And they were all asking me questions about, about falling down. That's what they were asking me. They, they asked me how I fell down, and I told them, and now I can't remember what I told them. The man and the woman were suddenly very still, watching him intently. And then you were asking me about the house, and now I can't remember what I told you. Benedict starts up from his chair in horror. It's the questions. The, the questions are making me forget. What was the thing before the fall, the, the thing I, I just told you about? What was it? He darts across and grabs the woman by the shoulders. What was it? What is it that I've forgotten? Look here, my friend, says the man, grabbing hold of him and pulling him away from the woman. Get off me! Benedict jerks himself away and turns for the door. Get away from me! No more questions! Don't let him out the door, shouts the woman, leaping to her feet. The man darts across the floor to Benedict's side. Steady on, old fellow, says the man, conspiratorially. You don't want to go out there. They're still out there, you know, all the others, with their questions. Benedict freezes in the doorway, looking out at the little china garden where the firelight from the window dances on the beds of porcelain roses, and beyond the painted fence the shadows gather, and other things flicker in the light, things that might be eyes. No more questions, says the man, as much to his companion as to Benedict. No more questions from us. Answers, says Benedict sternly. No more questions, only answers. The man steps back from him warily. You've had my story, says Benedict. At least I think you have, though I don't remember it. Now I want yours. I want explanations. Well now, says the man carefully, I don't know as we have a story to tell. We've had a story, says the woman, and the fire is warm. Perhaps we need not detain him further. I'm not leaving, says Benedict, not without an explanation. This is my house, after all. This is his house, says the man. He is, after all, in a manner of speaking, our host, our landlord. You might say that we owe him rent. Benedict realises that they're having some kind of an argument he cannot follow, but he suspects if he could just unravel it, somewhere at the bottom would be the answers he wants. We don't owe him anything, says the woman fiercely. We've done him better than others might. The judge, says the man suddenly, clapping his hands. There's a man full of answers. We'll take him to the judge.
You have been listening to The Ghosts of Christmas Presents, written by Tobias Sturt and read by John Mellington. The music is The Path of the Goblin King by Kevin MacLeod of filmmusic.io and our illustrations are by Jamie Lenman. You can find more of our stories at christmasstories.co.uk or wherever you found this podcast and we'd be grateful if you could rate and review us while you're there as well. If you're feeling really generous, we now have a Patreon at patreon.com slash christmasstories where a subscription will get you versions of this story without all these annoying credits and lots of other exclusive material. But all we really want you to do is to listen to the next instalment of The Ghosts of Christmas Presents. (laughs) 